In the words of St. Francis, as he was returning home on his way to Assisi, and he passed a traveler along the road, hi. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> That's actually one of the trademark beginnings from one of my favorite authors uh, when he speaks. And so, uh, how you guys doing? Yeah? It's good to be here, isn't it? I want to take just a quick second before we launch into things. Last week, Matt uh, talked about freedom from works. And this week, we're going to dive into freedom from the law. Uh, but before we do, I wanted to take just a moment, because we did have such a big week last week. Um, if you helped out with VBX in any way, whether it was snacks or team leaders or slime machines or whatever it was, would you stand for me? Greeters, helpers, games, would you give a, a hand to these people? I, thanks, thanks. You can have a seat. I am, I'm always overwhelmed uh, when I think that there were 30 people that came Friday to help us set up. There were about 30 that helped us tear down, and during the week we had almost 50 adult volunteers pouring their lives into um, almost 100 kids. And it was a really cool thing. And uh, Pastor Michelle has already mentioned, um, we actually raised $856.47 to date, not including what you guys may contribute or what the kids may contribute in the back. And uh, again, that's going towards Bloodwater Mission. One dollar. One dollar gives one person fresh water for a year. Um, last year, um, the organization we raised money for, we raised $216. And so um, I thought, well, lofty goal, let's double that and shoot for 500. And our kids and you guys blew me away. Um, with your generosity and catching the vision of truly changing someone's life. Um, and so I'm hoping that we hit a thousand. I don't mind. Um, pastor Matt and I have talked about how we're, we're not always big on gimmicks and, you know, we'll cut the youth pastor's tie or shave half his beard or something like that. Um, but I started thinking, you know what? To change a couple of hundred more people's lives, I will color my hair. It is not a big deal because we are making a difference in the world. And uh, so, yeah, we talked, our theme for VBX was Jesus gives us strength to make a difference. And I'm very proud to say that um, our kids are well on the way to learning that lesson firsthand by what they accomplished this past week. And so um, it was neat to see that maybe our kids this past week saw a vision for the way the world could be, maybe a vision that they had not seen before. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about vision. Um, not vision casting, but vision. That's the reason you got these when you came in. And if you didn't, we'll have some ushers that are passing some around in a minute. Uh, but just as a little backup, um, I started wearing glasses when I was in the sixth grade. And if you wear glasses, raise your hand. Love it. Love it. Hate it? All right, this is audience participation. This is where you guys talk to me. What, what, do, you, what do you not like about wearing glasses? Constant going like this. The dogs get a hold of it. What? They're foggy. That was one of the things that always bothered me. Living in Nashville, you walk out of the air-conditioned house, and you, we have this here, and you walk outside, and all of a sudden, 
fog. Um, in the wintertime in Nashville, where things get a little colder, I also had the added joy of every winter I'd walk out from the warm house to the cold and these little like, not ice crystals, but this, it wasn't fog, but it was this filmy coldness would come over them and I hated it. Um, But to be honest, the, the two things I hated most, my mom always bought cream colored soap and we had a cream colored shower. And when you can't see and you drop the soap, it always frustrated. I was like, Mom, just get green soap or blue soap, something where I can at least have a clue where this bar of soap is. Um, it was, oh, it frustrated me. The other thing that bothered me was I could be laying in my bed this far from the alarm clock, and I had to put on my glasses to see what time it was. Anybody else, your vision that bad? Frustrating. So in a sense, I'm thankful that I got glasses because glasses helped me see better. They didn't fix my eyes, but they helped me compensate for something that was wrong with my eyes. You with me? And then in college, I decided I'd move to contacts and a whole new world was opened up to me because with glasses, you can see clearly here, but you still have this peripheral that's all fuzzy. You know what I'm saying? But when you put on contact and it covers your entire eye, it's like, okay, this is what life is supposed to look like. I really like this. This is pretty cool. I can, I can see Pastor Matt falling asleep right now, and I don't even have to look over there. That's awesome. Whereas when I had glasses, he was just a fuzzy blob. Um, no, I'm just kidding. And then eight years ago, I had... Um, the ultimate LASIK surgery. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things, living in the South um, and going to the ocean a lot, it was always that debate of, do I wear my contacts so that I can see? Or do I not wear my contacts and take my glasses and have them get stepped on? Or do I not bring anything and not see anything and not have any fun at all? And so I got LASIK and all of a sudden, whole new level of clarity. And this is what I love. Apparently, I was quite the hit at the doctor's office because they took me in. The whole process took less than five minutes. It was amazing. Two minutes they got me on, 40 seconds, 40 seconds, and then a minute later, I'm sitting up. And in, in the course of five minutes, I went from going from 2250 and 2400 to 2020 and 2015. Literally, in the course of five minutes, my life was changed. And I, I knew that something was happening and that people were laughing at me because I sat up and the first thing I said, you know, you'd think it'd be something profound like, oh, isn't God good or thanks be for the vision, you know. But I looked up and I went, a clock. <laughs> because as silly as it sounds, we had walked in this room that is about as big as one of these classrooms, maybe 10, 15 feet. There's a bed, and there's a technician, and a clock. And I couldn't even see that there was a clock on the wall, let alone what it said. And literally, my life was changed that fast. And so they kept me for a few minutes before they let me go. And then what happened was I walk out, and I've got my glasses, and I've got my sunglasses on to protect my eyes until I get better. And I looked at the doctor, and I said, so what do I do with these now? Like, how long, you know, like, how long before I need these again? And she said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Throw those away. You don't need those anymore. We didn't, we didn't fix your vision. We fixed your eyes. 
and your eyes now have clear vision because we got to the root of the problem. My vision was just a symptom. I couldn't see because my eyes were bad, and then all of a sudden my eyes were fixed, so I had no need for these glasses anymore. You with me? And that is where we find ourselves today. Hear the word of the Lord in the book of Galatians, chapter 2. Beginning with verse 15, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. And we believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law that I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So we have this vision issue, and uh, um, I like to think of it this way. Uh, Nick, let's go back to that first picture. Um, this is kind of how life is. Um, go ahead and put your glasses on. Let's have a little fun. And give me one second for something very awesome. I'm going to take your picture. <laughs> Who gets to do this? All right, now back to the sermon. Um, you'll notice with the glasses off, things are blurry. You can tell what it is. You, you can see it, but it's not quite clear. And then all of a sudden, you put the glasses on, and you kind of have to hold them to your face, but all of a sudden, this tree pops out, right? Yeah? Nick, I think I want to skip the first video, and let's go straight to the second video. Um, one of my favorite movies is Despicable Me. And so, if I could show you just a quick clip, I would love to. Um, hit it, Nick. But all you got to do to win it is knock down that little spaceship there. <laughs> it's easy. more. 
close my eyes. I saw that with my own eyes. Hey, buddy, let me explain something to you. You see that little tin spaceship? You see how it's not knocked over? Do you know what that means, Professor? It means you don't get the unicorn! Oh! Uh-oh, somebody's got a frowny face. Ooh, better luck next time. Okay, my turn. I love 3D movies when I have the right glasses. When I don't have the right glasses, it's just these two visions that kind of give me a headache. You with me? You got this red and you got this blue and they don't really make sense, but when you have the right vision, all of a sudden, things come together. So what's happening in this text right now is we have these people, these Jews and these Gentiles that have known God They've known God through the Torah, through the Old Testament, through um, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The Jewish people would have these verses memorized. In fact, most of them would have the entire Old Testament memorized. This is the lens that they were looking through. When they were looking for the Messiah, they were looking through the lens of this law, these rules. This scripture that tells them this is the way things should look, this is the way that things should be. But then Christ comes along and he paints a different picture. He says, I've come to abolish the glasses. I haven't come to give you a different lens, I've come to fix your eyes. I haven't come to take away the blurriness. I've come to take away the root of the issue. The blurriness is just a symptom. And so here's what we have going on. Paul in this passage is kind of getting on to Peter's case. Um, this text that we have is actually part of a section that says Paul rebukes Peter. Some of your passages say Paul rebukes Cephas. Cephas is another name for Peter. Um, Greeks, uh, uh, the scholars tell us that if you go back to the original translation, Cephas means great ancestor to country folk music. <laughs> Has nobody heard of Bo Cephas? What? Great, great. All right, back to the text. Back to the text. Now, uh, so Peter is, rebuke, Peter is being rebuked by Paul because Peter is having issues. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you turn over to Acts chapter 15... We see this beautiful speech that's going on. Ten years earlier in Jerusalem, there's this debate going on, and there's this council that meets, and they say, all right, the question is, 
can Gentiles be Christians just like Jews are Christians? I mean, is this gospel truly for everyone, or is it just for the chosen people of Israel? And this is what Peter says. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinctions between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. What we have going on here is, if you back up to verses 1 through 14, you see Paul talking to Peter, and he's saying, I had to rebuke Peter, because here's what was happening. When, Paul, when Peter was with the Gentiles, it was good. He was hanging out with the Gentiles. You know, there is freedom in Christ. Let's, you know, we don't have to observe the law. But as soon as a Jewish person would come around, all of a sudden, I observe the law. I keep the law. It's all about the law. And it's almost like he didn't see the Gentiles. He didn't see that we were one in Christ. And Paul is talking to him, and he's saying, okay, here's the deal. If the best of the best of us couldn't make it to heaven by observing the law, why are we expecting the Gentiles to be able to do it? I mean, there are passages in the Bible where Paul goes, I, Paul, a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee, a zealot, I, you know, I have all the credentials of the best of the best, and I can't do it, and you can't do it, and if neither of us can do it, and we're quote-unquote God's chosen people, and they're quote-unquote sinners, why would we expect them to be able to do what we can't do? And what Paul's trying to say is the simple truth is, the law is like wearing glasses. Before the law, we had this abstract view of God, and we didn't quite understand it. And then all of a sudden, God gave us the law, and we have this clearer vision. We see more who God is. But it didn't fix our problem. It simply gave us a better vision. Christ came so that we could be healed from our vision issue. Um, what was going on is there was this hierarchy that was being set up. So you've got this view that Jews are great, all right? Because we're the chosen people, we're the chosen nation, and, you know, we accept Christ. Gentiles are good. They're really good. They have, they have accepted Christ, but they're not Jewish. They're not, you know, they're not our nationality. They're not God's chosen people. But... What if you had this Gentile that followed the Jewish law? Huh? Then all of a sudden, in the Jewish eyes, they said, well, they're not Jewish, but they're like little Jews. I mean, they're, they're like, they're almost there, and that's good enough. And in the minds of the Gentiles, you had this, well, it's not just, you know, me being saved. It's, I'm, I'm kind of this super Christian because I, you know, I'm following Christ, but I'm also going above and beyond. I'm following the list. I'm following the rules. This is awesome. And this is where I think we find ourselves a lot of times. 
as a church and as, as individuals. The problem with grace is you can't, you can't uh, qualify or quantify it. It's just God's grace. But we like lists. I like knowing if I do A, B, C, D, I'm okay. And if I don't do A, B, C, D, I'm in trouble. And so um, we do this all the time, don't we? For example, um, maybe this is something that, that you think. Things that please God. Um, I go to church. I read the Bible. I help people. These are all good things, right? These, these are good. I can check this off. This is something that I'm doing. I give God my money. I don't cheat on my taxes. I vote a certain political party. These are all things that we set up and we say, well, if I'm doing this, I must be okay. Or maybe we'd go the opposite way and we say, well, I know there are things that God doesn't like. You know, I don't want to be mean to people or I don't have affairs. I'm not beating my kids. I'm not cursing, killing, lying, whatever it is. And we find ourselves exactly where these churches in Galatia were, making laws, making lists, following rules, and our vision gets blurry. Because those things muddy up the clarity that we find in the grace of God. And so in this text, we see Paul saying, you know, it's not about the law. Try as you might, it's not about the law. If it were about the law, then we're all in trouble. And if it were about the law, then Christ died for nothing. So we can just assume it's not about the law. So what is it about? He says in verse 20, I think we have the main point of this passage. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. See, the law was good for its purpose. It was good until the Messiah came, but once the Messiah came, there was no longer a need for the law. Christ fixed the problem. He didn't just fix the symptoms. He fixed the problem, and so there's no longer a need for it. Now, one of the things that scholars like to do is they like to think, well, how would this have been heard by this group of people at this particular time? And one of the things that the writers in the New Testament were, were known for was they would use words or create images, and the people that knew the Old Testament and they knew the, the Torah and stuff, they'd go, oh, well, that sounds just like this story. And if it sounds like that story, there's probably a connection as far as the meaning. So what did it stand for? Well, scholars tell us that when he talked about, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, Christ lives in me, the normal average Jewish person and many of the Gentiles would have thought, wow, that sounds a lot like Elijah and the widow and her boy. And they would have remembered the story about Elijah going and, and staying for three years with this widow and her boy, and the boy dies. And the widow says, what have you done to me? My, boy's, my boy is dead. And, and the Bible says, for three days, Elijah prayed to God. He prayed earnestly, and then it says, he laid the boy down, and he laid on top of him, hand to hand, heart to heart, mind to mind, breath to breath. And the Bible says that breath came into the boy, and the boy came alive. 
And the Jewish people and the Gentiles in this day would understand, wow, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. It's, it's, like, it's like I'm dead, and all of a sudden, this life is being breathed into me. That's really cool. But the other thing that's cool is they would have said, I'm crucified with Christ. See, this is happening about 50 A.D., so many of these people either saw what happened to Jesus or knew somebody that did. And so when you hear crucified with Christ, what comes to mind is this image of Christ on the cross giving up his life. And if I am to be crucified with Christ, my hands are his hands, my feet are his feet, my heart becomes his heart, my mind becomes his mind, and all of a sudden, through the grace of God, this breath of God comes into me, and I'm born to new life. And so therefore, I no longer live. It's not about me. It's this Christ. It's this crucified Messiah that lives in me. It is his breath. It is his life. It's his hands. It's his heart. It's his mind. I'm just the instrument now. It is all about Jesus. And that's how this would have been seen in that day. That's how these people would have thought it. And so what we have to get past and I struggled with this for a couple of weeks. As I read the scripture, I kept thinking, wow, this is great to tell people, wow, we need to see others the way God sees them. We need to give to the poor. We need to help the needy. We, we, it's, we should be doing something. We should be doing more. And that is important. But I wonder if the greater principle in this passage is when we are crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us, this is the lens through which we truly see ourselves. It's not about seeing others. It's about seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Because when we see ourselves the way God sees us, when we have this breath of God in us, the natural result is we see the things that God sees. We care about the things, that, the things that God cares about. Our heart breaks for the things that God's heart breaks over. That's why we, we sing that song, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything for your kingdom's cause. That, when we, when we live that way, crucified with Christ, that is when that song takes root in our lives and we truly start to get the meaning of this, I'm crucified with Christ. I don't live, it's Christ that lives in me. So all of a sudden, we don't see ourselves as somebody checking lists off, somebody doing good, somebody not doing good. It's not about that. All of a sudden, we see ourselves as, I am a son or daughter of the Most High God. I am the recipient of unmerited grace. I couldn't do anything. I am, I am the one who is forgiven. I am someone who is accepted. I am someone who is enough. Through God, I am enough. And there is a joy and a peace that comes when we accept this grace in our lives and we see ourselves the way God sees us and we say, the Christian life is not about doing, it's not about the law, it's not about following the rules, it is about being. I am crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, the sad truth is that many of us 
still struggle with that. It's, it's hard to see ourselves that way because, um, well, it, it's uncomfortable. Um, it's much easier to do the checklists. Um, I started the sermon with uh, Brendan Manning, how he always starts every uh, service, and I'd like to uh, give you a quote from one of his books called Abba's Child. Um, I think this really gets at the heart of Galatians 2.20. Uh, He says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Define yourself as one radically loved by God. This, This is the true self. Everything else is just a gimmick. When you define yourself as one radically loved by God, then it's all about grace. So I got a couple questions for you. Um, I didn't write a lot of fill-in-the-blank notes, but if you want to open up your, your, your bulletin and if there's something that you want to jot down, I just want to ask you a couple questions. How's your vision? Are you seeing clearly? Are you, are you seeing God the way you should be seeing Him? Are you seeing yourself the way God sees you. Maybe uh, you're having a hard time with this. Um, It's hard to see other people the way God would see them because you can't see see yourself the way God sees you. So it's my prayer that you will um, just have the mindset. Psalm 139, beautiful psalm. David says, search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Test me. Know my ways. Point out anything that is offensive and lead me into your everlasting life. This is my prayer for you. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. It is, it is frustrating when we take on the lens and we apply it to ourselves. It is not fun at all. Um, uh, personal example, this week in staff meeting on Tuesday, I sat before Pastor Matt and Pastor Michelle and I said, I feel like I need to confess. I haven't been having the right attitude or mindset. And if I don't get right with you, if I don't get right with God, if I don't get right with the people that I have talked to and maybe not communicated God's love in the right way, how can I ever stand on stage and say it's all about grace? It is not easy to search yourself, but it is right. And so I want to give you, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, and I just want you to jot down, what is God saying to me today? Maybe he's saying, stop trying. Maybe he's saying, just be. Maybe he's saying, I'm more than enough. I just want to give you about 20 or 30 seconds, and I want you to pray and think, God, what do you want to say to me today.
The grace in the text is found in knowing that Christ has already done for us what we could never do. That Christ has redeemed us. And so the proper response is we come to his table. We uh, receive the elements. Um, And I just want to take just a quick moment, and then we're going to take communion together. Um, If you are in a row, I would ask that you exit your row, coming towards the middle, so these two sides will come this way, these two will come this way. If you come down the aisle, receive the elements, and then circle around back to your seat, I think that will help with the flow of traffic. But here's what I want you to do. If it's not about works, like Matt talked about last week, if it's not about keeping the rules or the laws like we talked about today, then it can only be be about God's grace. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask when you come, I want you to come with your hands open, ready to receive. This is going to be different than some other times that we've taken communion. But I want you to allow our servers, which if you want to come up and get in position, I want you to allow our servers, as you walk up, to give you this grace and to say, this is the body that is broken for you. And then you'll take your bread and dip it, and somebody will remind you that this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Because on the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he met with his disciples in the upper room. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take this and eat and be thankful. And then in the same way, he took the cup. And when he had blessed it and given thanks, he said, this is the new covenant. It's not the old covenant. It's not the law. This is the new covenant. This is representing my blood, which is spilled out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you do this, be grateful. And so they will serve you as you come. Um, I love calling it the Lord's table because there's just something about coming to the table where we all have a seat. Jew, Gentile, male, female, man, woman, boy, girl. This is an open table. You do not have to be a member of this church. You do not even have to be a Nazarene. What we say is, this is for everyone who is seeking daily to walk with Jesus. If you know Christ as your Savior, this is your moment to celebrate. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, this can be a means of grace. You can ask God right now to extend His grace towards you, and your life can be changed forever, and you can receive this for the first time completely in God's grace. So come.